0: Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can help us by reaching others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks again for joining us. Now here's Pastor Katie to get better. I think that that implies that we are consistently meant to be getting better as we are aging, as we are getting older, because God has something for us. And this is not a religious experience. This is not becoming more religious. Okay? No. This is about an intimate, deep relationship with Jesus that transforms us. So instead of us opening up our Bible and reading it, it starts to read us. When yeah. we approach the word of God yeah. as a teacher, yeah. when we sit and we, and we approach this scripture yeah. with a mindset that this is now my teacher, I am, something is going to be imparted into my spirit okay? that is going to change something in me. That's what it means to be consistently getting better, yeah. to approach a church service that way. Like, God, what do you have for me? What do you have in this moment that I am supposed to take from, th- so that my life gets better, so that I get better? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen? Okay, guys, it's too quiet in here. Yeah. I'm going to have to digress and tell some jokes or something, yeah. or you're going to come along with me, right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But I think that the the uh, foundational, what we're talking about today is just knowing God. Right. Number one, you have to know God. This is the foundational core principle if we're going to actually Know how to find freedom, which next Sunday, I promise you, is going to be powerful with Pastor Lucas Connell. He's got an anointing that's unlike any other. And I promise you, you got to bring people. It's going to be amazing. But you will not understand how to find freedom or how to discover your purpose or how to make a difference if we don't understand this foundational concept of just knowing God. And I think this has to go back to the beginning. In the beginning are the first three words of the Bible in Genesis. And what happens in Genesis is the world is created. God breathes life into the animals that we see today. He creates water. He creates land, okay? He is the great creator. But then at the pinnacle of creation, he creates man. Why? It's a completely different function. It's to be in relationship with man. And it was God and Adam in the garden for a while, just communing. And if you imagine... God's presence walking with you every day. Physical presence, okay? Having access to God Almighty and having that kind of level of intimacy on a daily basis where they're basically just talking, you know, in the cool of the day. Hey, God, how you doing? Pretty good, bud. How you doing today? You know, what'd you name today? Because he was naming all the animals, naming all the plants, you know. Just imagine that kind of camaraderie, that kind of intimacy, but then, you know, he makes Adam the steward of all that he has created, which he has also made us stewards of all that we, are cre- we have been created to steward. And I feel like that's this massive privilege, right? Yeah. But then he looks at Adam trying to steward it by himself, and he's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you need a helper. <laughs> he said, it is not good for man to be alone. All the women in the room should be way more excited. I feel like it's like this. Y'all, where are my girlfriends at? (laughs) All right. So then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. He creates a helper to help steward. There we go. There we go. To help steward this assignment of earth. But then uh, something happens, right? The serpent enters into the equation. But there's something that's interesting that happens before. That happens. We tend to focus on that part of the story. We tend to skip over chapter 2 and jump straight to Genesis chapter 3. But in Genesis chapter 2, this idea of knowledge and knowing God is kind of opened up and explained in a different way. And when we talk about the context of wanting to get better, uh, I want to just share from these beginning passages. In Genesis 2, 8, and 9, if you have your Bibles, says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now it's important to note that if you already know this story and if you ever reflect back on the story of the, of the trees, typically what we do is we completely forget about the tree of life and we focus on the tree of knowledge of good and evil and we tend to equate that that tree is all about evil because of what had happened later on in the story but that's not what the text says the text says that is the tree of knowledge of good and evil which means it had both things in it but knowledge can be a problem when it comes to uh, intimate relationship. Because Adam, Adam's original design was to be what? In an intimate relationship with God. In the garden, right? The original definition of intimacy was actually God and Adam. It was not Adam and Eve. And so many times we are trying to define who we know of God to be by our physical, personal relationships, our interpersonal relationships. God can use people and he can be seen through people, but the original intimate relationship was between God and Adam which means that when we are looking at our relationships if we are looking to know god intimately it is not about how we are with other people it, it, we should not be learning the ultimate intimate relationship from other people we we tend to associate intimacy with what we have with our spouse or what we have with our best friend or the person that the our per, people right our person that knows us the best that is actually the wrong association of knowing God you cannot have a, an intimate knowledge of who God is by your human relationships you are meant to be in relationship with humans that's why God created Eve okay but the original relationship was God and Adam it was between him and God so then if we go into Genesis two sixteen and 17 it says and the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden so he says you're free to do whatever you want. However, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so the question this morning that I want to ask is if we're going to get better, what is going to be our approach to getting better? What is the approach to getting better? God was giving Adam and Eve a choice, just like he gives us a choice. You can choose to eat from the tree of life, which I think is actually correlated with the scripture in John 10:10, 10, 10, where Jesus says, I have come to give you life and my life more abundantly. So you can choose to eat from the tree of life or you can choose to eat from the tree of knowledge. And knowledge can be the enemy to relationship. Because if you have to know everything about God's plan for your story, that will be the enemy to the intimacy that you have, right? Because you start to control, and you want to control everything that's happening within your story. Therefore, you discount his place and his role in your life, and your intimacy level is distant. So there's a disconnect between our heads, I believe, and our hearts sometimes with knowing God, okay? Because because God wants us to know him, right? He is relentlessly pursuing, pursuing us. That reckless love of God that we sing about, that's real. He's, he is pursuing us, he wants us to know him. But when knowledge becomes more about commands and an external sense of laws that we are following because we're just trying to do everything right the way that the Bible says to do it so that maybe we have some level of intimacy or maybe we have something go right in our life, we have got it twisted. We've completely misunderstood who God is. We have misunderstood his heart, and I think a lot of Christians live that way, to be honest. I think a lot of Christians come to church on Sunday, and they try to learn more, and they're learning, and they're learning, and they're learning, and they're taking notes. But then they leave, and nothing's imparted into their spirit. Nothing's left on their heart to change them that really actually changes us for the better. And again, we can get confused about getting better because if we, if we have a knowledge um, without a relationship or an intimacy, then we can keep trying and trying and trying to do the right thing and come to Bible study and trying to come to church and trying to do this and trying to do that. And it becomes a level of obligation and not um, intimacy with God. And so I want to talk about this approach okay what's our approach is our approach to know more about the Bible so that we can know who God is in our intellect or is our approach to know his heart and have something imparted into us into our hearts and into our spirits he wants the principles to become who we are he has principles set in place we're not going to discount that okay There are principles set in place in the scriptures. I'm not saying that they're not important. What I'm saying is is that he wants the principles to become uh, out of the overflow of who we are, not out of uh, an obligation of what we're supposed to do. So So we have the same two choices today. Are we going to eat from the tree of life, or are we going to eat from the knowledge of good and evil? And we can focus on rules and regulations, or we can focus on the fact that God's original design for you His original design for me, for a human, was to be in an intimate relationship. There was no distance in the original design. Sin and our choices have created the distance. However, there was a son sent. His name was Jesus. There was an example sent to follow so that we could know how to gain access back into this intimate relationship with God that he originally designed for us. And I want, before I go into talking about who God is, because I think it's really under, it's hard to be like, I know God without understanding his heart or who he is. And I'm going to give my best attempt, honestly, to explain it today. And please forgive me if it falls short. But I am believing that God has a message this morning for somebody and that he wants to communicate his heart more than his commands today to you. That he loves you so intimately and so uniquely and specifically. This disclaimer that I want to share with you is probably going to be the most uh, unpopular thing I say this morning, so just beware. (laughs) But every time, every time in my life that I've experienced a massive uh, growth spurt in my spiritual life or I have experienced God, the love of God, on such a deep level where I trusted him more, where I believed him more, where I followed him more, and it was a joy to do so when I started experiencing the fruits of the Spirit in my life, and I would look at people on the street that I didn't even know, and I would feel this love for them that was outside, that was in me, but it was out, it came from outside of me. And I was like, why do I love you? That is so weird. But I'm like, God loves you so much. First, the few times that I've I've had, I've had, I've had multiple spiritual experiences, but there have been a few times where, um, They have been massive growth spurts like that in my life. And all of those started, you ready? With a loss of something that I was comfortable with. Uh, All of them started. First time, it was the loss of a relationship, a toxic relationship that I was much too comfortable in. And it was taken away from me. Another time, it was a job that I had lost and been fired from only time I've ever been fired, and I'll tell that story maybe some other time. (laughs) I was dumb and 18, okay, won't go into it. That was also another deep growing moment, okay, for me, but all of the deep growth, spiritual growth that has happened in my life where I have met Jesus and God has come in on my behalf and he has healed me and he has elevated me, all of those actually started with a loss. So. I want to just say today, I know that that's not very popular, but some of you might need to be looking at what you are comfortable in if you want to experience the abundant life that God has for you. You are not experiencing abundant life if you are too comfortable in certain areas. Comfort can be a barrier to what God wants to do and how you can know him truly. But going back to this idea of who he is, how do I know God um, if I don't understand who he is? If I don't understand his heart, if I don't understand why uh, everybody says at church that he's good and I'm not experiencing good in my life, right, there's a disconnect from our understanding of really who he is. And I want to, again, give my best attempt to explain who God is and his heart. And if we want to get better, we have to have an example, though. God is the author of the story. I'm jumping ahead in my notes. But I really, I I think people, we say God here, we talk about Jesus here, we talk about the Holy Spirit here, and it can be confusing sometimes if you don't understand the function of the Trinity. And so God is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can throw that up there. I know that's later, but this is how I see it, and this is how I want us to personalize this this morning. This is a personalization of um, the triune God. God is actually the author of the story, Okay? He is the author of our story. Jesus is the example in our story. And the Holy Spirit is the helper through the story. Okay? So if that might help you to kind of like put, you know, put a connection to the function of the Trinity in your personal story. Because once again, I want to make the distinction that our God is a personal God okay there is no distance there was no distance in the garden before sin entered okay and uh sorry i didn't turn my iphone or my Mm -hmm. watch off there was no distance in the garden okay sin actually created distance and so he he is the author of the story And so you have to look at it as if he was the author of the story, there needed to be an example sent to give us someone to follow, a life that was sinless, a life that was perfect and holy and loving and the representation of God the Father. But if the reason why God sent Jesus was because um, they needed a Savior, he had seen it was because they had become so focused on the knowledge part of who God was and not the heart The relationship side you see the people actually were becoming so religious uh, they in following the scripture that their hearts were far from him and what he cared about you see the Pharisees this is what I learned this week this is nuts the Pharisees were so religious that they actually tied off of their spices Okay, can you even um, imagine the ridiculousness of, of being like, here's my salt shaker. All right, here we go. Divide it out into 10 parts. Okay, here's the first part. There you go, God. That, that's what they were doing. They were so religious, but they were completely ignoring the, the, the needy, the broken, the poor, the prostitutes, the people that had been shunned and had been social outcasts by society because of their mistakes. They were completely ignoring those people. When, when God originally intended for humanity to be made whole, there had to be an example in the story, okay, to follow. And when you look at Jesus, he's the example. And I want to go into a scripture really quickly in John 3, 16 and 17. Please do not close your ears right now because you learn this in Sunday school or you can recite this by heart. This is actually the most powerful summary of the gospel in the scriptures. Yes. This is John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to underline those four words. God so loved the world. Maybe five words. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send, you can circle that word too, because that word's important. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God so loved the world. Uh, Those few words were actually astounding and astonishing in that culture and in that context when John wrote that. Why? Because the world was now inclusive to everybody. Originally when the scriptures in the Old Testament had talked about the love of God it was only directed towards the people of Israel. It was only direct, directed towards the Jewish people. However, that, this, this is why this, this scripture flipped the world upside down, was because now it was not just the uh, Israelites that were the object of God's affection. It was everybody. Everybody was inclu- included. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation was now included in the promise of the good news of the gospel. That we could now reconcile, be reconciled back into that original relationship that was designed in the garden with God because of what Jesus did. Because God so loved the world. God was the sender. Sometimes we give God a bad rap. And we're like, oh, Jesus, you're the only one. I'm sorry. God's the author of the story. God was the sender of the Savior, okay? So if you want to know who God is, you've got to look at Jesus. But look at this scripture and get yourself a revelation of how good he is, how much he loves people. Yeah, so good. Not just one people group anymore. No. It's for all of us. Eternal life. Eternal life is the promise now for everybody. But here, when we talk about eternal life, all of us go to what? Heaven, right? Eternal life, we equate with heaven, and it does mean heaven. However, when you say yes to Jesus, you actually have the benefit of experiencing parts of eternal life now. That's the tree of life and the abundant life coming together in your present moment. Do you know that you can experience life and life abundantly, joy, peace, provision now? Amen. But sometimes the knowledge, we got to know what we got to do for God. Okay, God, you want me to go to church every every week. Okay, God, I need to read the Bible. Oh, okay, i got to tithe. You know, all these things are important, but if we are doing them not out of a place of uh, intimate relationship and intimate expression of our own love back to God, they're just religion. They're just rules and they do not make sense. They do not transform anything. They just make us robots. God's love. Okay. God's love for the world was not just mere sentiment though. No, there was an action step, right? He gave. God gave out of love. you can you can give I guess without loving but you cannot love without giving that's how they say it right yeah. there's this familiar concept in Jewish life um, that's really important to the concept of John 3:17 for God did not send his son which means Jesus is the sent one okay he's often referred to as the sent one in in this in this familiar Jewish concept and it's called Mishnah and it just means that the messenger is like the sender himself and again if you're trying to get a picture of who the author is of your story if you're trying to know God so that you can get better you look at Jesus because Jesus was the sent one and there was this concept associated to this particular passage of scripture this word send that Jesus the messenger is as the sent one going back to my original idea that God is not some judge up in heaven ready to hammer you and pound on you a little bit when you do the wrong thing right. God is actually the one that initiated the Savior into the world and so John 173 this is just a reiteration now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent just just again to initiate that or solidify that thought um, that Jesus is the sent one but I think Going back to this idea of religion, um, it can get in the way of really knowing the heart of God. And so maybe instead of, now I'm going to be careful on how I say this. Instead of us focusing on being so concerned about knowing every book in the Bible and every word in the Bible, maybe we should focus on loving Jesus more. If we focus on loving Jesus the best way that we can on pursuing his heart through his word, Okay, that's why I have to be careful on how I say this. This word is how we get to know Him. If we focus on loving Him and read His Word, I feel like we have the full experience of the Christian life and the abundant life that we are meant to have. Right? right. right. That He died to give us. Uh, if 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 we're just if we're just doing this and we're not pursuing Him, if we're not looking at Him as the example in our story to be like Him to love like Him. Um, It's like going out to dinner. It's like going out on date night with Todd. I think of it like this. We we go out and we plan this um, seven-course meal at a five-star restaurant, right? We plan date night. We're so excited. We get this amazing meal. And it's like eating the entire meal and not having one conversation. It's like me just eating my dinner, not making eye contact with him, not asking him any questions, not listening to what he has to say because he has lots to say to me, specifically intimate things to me on date night. And I do too. But if I just go and I just enjoy the meal, this is the meal, if I just enjoy the meal and I don't actually talk to him, if I don't engage with him, I have missed the point of date night. I have just eaten a big fat meal and not had any relational engagement, no intimacy. Right? That's what that is. Okay. So going back to this idea of the Trinity, God the, is the author of the story. Jesus is the example in our story, and the Holy Spirit is the helper through our story. Um, I'm gonna exp- I'll expound on that on the coming weeks on that I, topic. But in Psalm 139, 16, if he is the author of our story, this is the perfect scripture to um, uphold that. It says, all of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be which means he is a personal God. He wrote every day of your story. But maybe you're in here today and you're kind of like, I don't really like the (laughs) storyline. I don't really like how my story is written. Um, That may be because you don't have the right example in your story to follow. Maybe you've had human examples that have not been perfect, that have not loved you the right way. And so your story has taken a different direction or a different turn. But I want to say to you that um, you can trust God with your story. You can trust that every day has been written out for you. And sometimes we take detours in life, right? It's like the GPS system. (laughs) You put in the destination, right? You start off. Pastor Claudia had this word the other, it was maybe a year ago in our pre-service meeting, um, which, by the way, those are powerful prayer times. If you, need, if you need a little jolt before church, you should just show up at 9.30. But um, she had this word about God where, um, you know, we have a destination that's in, in place. God has a destiny for us. And when we type in those destinations into our GPS, we can maybe take wrong turns, right? Because we didn't hear the voice correctly, Right or we just decide we're gonna take a right here when the GPS says a left. But what does the GPS do? What does Siri do? Is it Siri, I don't know, whatever her name is. Waze, Mary Beth. I just call, my call mine Mary Beth. What does Mary Beth do? She doesn't yell. She doesn't scream at me when I take a wrong turn. She just says, recalculating root, recalculating root. And we're recalculating route again to get you back to the destination that it was originally intended for, right? That is our God. So if you have taken a few wrong turns in here today, good news. Your destination has not been altered if you follow Jesus, if you live by his example. But I couldn't help but think of this story that Jesus told. If you want to know God, you've got to look at Jesus and what he did and jesus actually spent lots of his ministry telling people about the heart of god and he sits down with some people one day and he tells a story of a farmer a man who had two sons and both of these sons worked on the farm for him for a certain amount of time they were working towards their inheritance The older brother was faithful and the older brother was a hard worker and he kept his head down and he was a religious man, followed the rules, (laughs) stayed and worked with his father. But the younger son was working one day and got sick of the work, got sick of the storyline that had been written for him. And uh, he had this idea where he said, I think I'm going to take an advance out on my inheritance I think I'm going to go do things my way because this way is not really working out for me. This is boring. I don't want to be a farmer. So he takes his inheritance, which, in, which is offensive in Jewish culture, to ask for your inheritance early. So his road didn't start out great, <laughs> but uh, he takes his inheritance, and Bible says that he squanders all of his wealth on worldly wares, right? So whatever that is, if that's prostitutes, if that's uh, junk he doesn't need, uh, spends all of his money, can't afford to live anywhere anymore. And he finds himself working for a pig farmer face down in a pig trough eating. uh, All of the result of making his own decisions and wanting to go out on his own way. And he's face down in a pig trough eating the pods, it says, that the pigs were fed because he was so hungry and he had lost everything and was so broken didn't I don't even I don't even imagine he had clothes on his back and if he did they were threadbare and stunk and he's eating this and I imagine him thinking what was I thinking what why did I do this And he has this thought he says I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back to my father's house and see if he'll take me back because because best-case scenario I could just be a slave to my dad for the rest of my life, and at least my belly would be full. At least I would have a comfortable living. At least I could just go back. And so he takes the risk. He surrenders his pride, and he goes back to the Father. And you know, many of us have gone our own way a lot of times. And what keeps us in our own way is pride. What keeps us from going back to the Father is pride, saying that I was right in the decision that I made. But what I want to show you today is the heart of the Father. Because as this man is dragging himself, his broken, smelly self, back to his wealthy father, the Bible says that the Father sees him in a far-off distance and just drops everything and starts running towards him. He just starts running. After this... Son has broken his heart and decided to do everything his own way. All Father was waiting for was him to come home. And it starts with a surrender. I'd like the worship team to come join me as I share this final story. There is a surrender that has to happen if you are to know God and his heart for you. That story that I just shared was a parable that Jesus shared as he was trying to communicate Father's heart for the broken. For people who feel like they've made mistakes. For people who feel like they need help getting back into a rhythm of their story that was designed and destined for them. God is so personal. But knowing God begins with a surrender. It begins with surrendering of your will it begins with surrendering your plan and oftentimes it begins with surrendering your timeline I have those up there if you want to write them down on your notes when we were looking at coming here some of you guys know the story so I've told bits and pieces of it because it's kind of a long story but um, there was a job offer a few years before this job offer and maybe you don't know about that and so I'll share with you a few um, things from that story, but we actually were planning and preparing to be um, in ministry together, but at the time that this other job offer presented itself, uh, I was not willing to surrender what I thought my idea of my life should have looked like, but the reality was is that God was preparing Todd and I to go into ministry together. That was always the original destination, but The way that this job offer was packaged and presented was not what I wanted to do but there was something inside of me that knew that I should have maybe pursued it a little bit I knew that I that Todd and I we had talked about it and I just had shut it down I just said nope I'm not I'm not even going to think about it I'm not even going to pursue it I'm not going to go down there and see it I'm not doing it out of my own pride out of my own sense of I know what's best for my life I know what's best for my story. I'm not trusting the author, right? A lot of times that's how we try to control our life within our story. And uh, I knew that I was being disobedient. In my heart of hearts, deep down, I knew that I should have maybe at least taken a few steps to pursue what God was nudging me towards. And what happens after those moments of when we intentionally ignore God's voice and we turn our back on what He's asking us to do, there can be periods of wilderness seasons where you feel distant from Him, right? Because sin, nothing can separate us from His love, but our sin can separate us from His his presence sometimes. The closeness that that we enjoy, the closeness that Adam enjoyed originally was separated by sin and so there was this period of where I was not hearing from him and when you're used to hearing from him and you're used to walking with him and then you don't it's a very disturbing experience where you feel like you're you're wandering you feel like you've made the biggest mistake of your life you feel like God if I could just go back if I could just go back And so I remember praying a prayer in that season saying okay God Forgive me for not surrendering my plan and my will and my timeline to yours. And if you would like to redeem the decision that I made, please give us another opportunity. I'll, I'll I'll I will step right into it as soon. And no matter how I feel about it, no matter what, no matter whether or not I think it's at the right time or in the right place or the right plan, I'll do it. I made that prayer, I made that determination in my heart and in my spirit. It was like a year later, maybe a year and a half later when Pastor Rich called Todd and presented yet another opportunity. And I was scared and I had a plan and this was not it. (laughs) Love y'all now, but, but this was not my plan, nor was that my timeline. But I remembered the conversation that I had with the Lord in that wilderness season where I said, I will not turn my back on you again. I will not disobey again. I will surrender whatever it is I need to surrender in that moment to follow you. And what was interesting was is that I had a timeline for the house to be sold. Our house was on the market for a month and a half before we really needed it to sell. We had 50 or 60 people come through the house wasn't until the, the day that it had to sell for us to get the money from the sale into the bank account for us to be in california at the exact right time it wasn't until the day it had to sell that it sold. and not only is god so personal with our timeline he's personal with our plans because my biggest concern in moving here was our son who if you don't know he's on the autism spectrum and he had a very hard time transitioning from preschool room to preschool room didn't know how he was going to do from state to state big big transition and a big big worry and i had a plan that he was going to be in christian school uh, for his entire life i had a plan that he was going to go to an occupational therapist that i was going to pay so much money for Uh, i had all of these plans for him God had a different plan because as soon as I surrendered my plan to his, I don't know who notified me, but somebody notified me that the Poway School District was one of the top in the state for particularly autism spectrum disorder. The most random place in the world, Poway, California. Had never even heard of this place until like this all came up. I surrendered my plan. And once I surrendered my plan, God showed up. Not only did God show up with selling our house on time, with coming up with a plan that was even better for Carter and his needs, Uh, we needed a house to live in. And I came down here on a trip believing that we were gonna get a house, not, we, we, we had lived in a house before and we were comfortable in a house and we were believing God for a three bedroom, two bath house with a garage and a little yard. And that's just what we were believing God for. And it was okay if it didn't happen, if God had a different plan. But I just was like, man, God, this would be amazing if we could find this in our price range. And I'm just going to trust you. Not only did He give us the house that we needed, it was a five minute walk from the school that Carter would have needed to be in, in the autism spectrum disorder. Don't tell me that my God is not personal. Do not tell me. That my God does not know your story, that he has not written your story from front to back. And that if, you, if we just surrender some of the things that we need to surrender, those comforts that I talked about earlier on, that is the beginning of knowing him intimately, of knowing how personal he is and how involved he wants to be in your everyday life, in your everyday story. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes.